Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the local church, all my family online at Everglades Correctional, everyone here. I'm Eric, I'm one of the pastors, and let me tell you, man, the past three weeks of us being in this series called Awakening have been an exciting time for me. My eyes have been opened up, I've experienced breakthrough. Now, this may sound a little bit strange, but, but it kind of feels like I'm dating God again, right? Like, I know some of you don't like dating, you've done the dating thing, or you're doing the dating thing. I get it, in 2022, there's so many you have to download and pictures you scroll through and social media messages that you have to manage. I understand all of that. And so, but what, what I'm trying to say is, is not that it's weird. It, it, it's that, that I'm beginning to, to come back to my first love. I'm excited to, to re-experience all that God has for me in this time. It just, it feels like I'm, 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 experiencing his grace and his love in a way that I haven't experienced in a long time before. Now, last week, I invited my pastor, Pastor Dan, to come and to communicate how, how prayer is about the presence of God. I mean, because that's what prayer, prayer's a communication in a relationship that we have with God. And in any relationship, if one person's talking all the time and never taking time to listen, that's not a relationship. And so we got to take some time to just listen to the Spirit of God and press some things upon our hearts and our minds through his word. But one of the other reasons why um, I I invited my pastor to come was because last weekend I got to celebrate 14 years of marriage with my wife. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank God she saved me from dating. I'm, I'm so glad she said yes to me because I guarantee that if she didn't say yes to me, I'd be that weird, awkward Christian guy at parties not knowing what to say. Like this whole dating thing it was always weird for me, but, but, but I got to celebrate 14 years with my wife and, and we didn't do anything extravagant. We didn't exchange expensive gifts. There was no exotic getaway, but yet I was so excited. I was giddy like, like a little kid. To, to be with my wife again. Just to, to spend a day alone with my wife without the kids was so exciting for me. And I realized why. I've never experienced this in any of their other anniversaries. We, we made a big deal about things. We had a good time. But, but this time, we did nothing except be with one another. And I was so excited. And the reason why is because I have been reawakened to the grace of God over my life. Through this, this time of, of surrendering all I am to him, it's grown my relationship with him and it's opened up my eyes to his grace and it has benefited everything in my life for the positive, including my marriage, even when things around don't seem positive. And that's what I want for us. That's what I've been praying that we experience in this, this season, this series called Awakening. And all this is about dependency. Say dependency. dependency. Say dependency at home. <laughs> it's all about dependency. So here's the first idea that I want us to get. Write this down. An appetite for dependency on God allows for an awakening from God. 
If, if, if we can learn to be dependent, to have a desire to adjust our appetite for the things of God, that is what allows us to have an awakening, our hearts and our, and our minds and our ears and our eyes to be opened to the beauty of what God wants to do in our lives. And so this awakening is all about dependency, but we need to have an appetite for it. So I've titled today's teaching, Making Adjustments to Our Appetites. If we're going to experience an awakening, we need to make some adjustments to our appetites. I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Here's where we're going to camp today. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I think many of us are familiar with this story, but I think a lot of us in this place, we, we overlook something that's very interesting. Matthew chapter 4 starts by saying that Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. I go, what? Why, why would God allow his son to be tempted by Satan? The same reason God allows anything and everything. It's for his glory and for our good. From the very beginning of mankind, God's perfect plan has always been to glorify himself and to love people. It was for his glory and our good. And see, we, this is important because we need to understand that this was prior to Jesus' public ministry. This is prior before, before Jesus went out and declared who he was, before he lived out God's mission. Before that happened, God was taking him through a season of preparation. Before he experienced the purpose and the mission of God, God was taking him through preparation. And what Satan was about to use to tempt Jesus, God was using to train Jesus. You need to understand this as we continue. Satan is not God. God is God. Satan is not. This isn't a battle between two cosmic forces. Satan is defeated. Satan is under the mercy of God. Satan has to do what God tells him to do. And so listen, anything that, that Satan is allowed to do is because God has allowed him to do it. And so if we believe that God is good and that everything he does is for his ultimate glory and for our good to love people, and we see that God is allowing Satan to tempt us, we have to believe that it's for a purpose. We have to believe that God can use it for his glory and our good. Do you understand that? I know it sounds really theological, so let me make it very practical. There are things in our life that God allows because he sees it as an asset to us. There are things that God will allow us to experience. Why? Because he wants to use it in our lives. And sometimes it takes us some, some, some lengthy periods of time to experience the value of what God has allowed in our lives. But ultimately, if God allows it, God intends to use it as an asset to us. 
So again, we have, we have Jesus praying and fasting for 40 days and then he's led into the wilderness before his public ministry. He hasn't opened a blind eye. He hasn't built up his team. He hasn't preached the Beatitudes. And the spirit of God leads Jesus to be tempted for preparation. Because God knows that our preparation is for our protection. That's the second thing I want you to understand. Our preparation now is for our protection later. Sometimes God allows temptation in our lives for preparation. It's gonna sound like Dr. Seuss. Even though it may cause some agitation (laughs) so that we can have the revelation that we're ready. God, his, his protection is for our readiness. And so we have to go through a season of preparation now, and that will act as our protection later, because a lot of us, we want to get there quickly. But if we're not ready, and we get there quickly, we won't stay there. But if we are prepared, not only will we get there, but we'll stay there and we'll grow there and we'll be blessed there because we've allowed God to prepare us into who he wants us to be as we are heading there. Do you understand that? See, a lot of us, we want to get there quickly. God wants us to be prepared because we think that we are ready for for what's ahead, but we're, we're only ready based off of what we see. And God wants to get us ready for what we cannot see. And if we get there too quickly and we're not ready, then the blessing that God wants to pour out on us, I want you to hear this, can become a burden. We say, God, bless my business. And if you're not ready and God blesses your business, now, now the, the higher payroll and the systems you have to put in place and all the new employees you have to manage, this blessing has now become a burden that will crush you. Some of us, we say, God, would you just take me to, to, to the promised land? Get me to where you want me to go. And we see this all throughout history of humanity that so many of us, when we get to our preferred destination, we forgot how we got there in the first place. It wasn't you. It was God. But now that we're in this new reality of this blessing that we believe is from God, we, we, so many of us, we've stopped depending on the source of our protection, of our provision, of our blessing. This is why we need an awakening. Our prayer needs to be, God, open up my eyes to the things I cannot see. We think we're ready based off what we see, but but God is trying to prepare us for what we can't see. And this is why our assessment of if we're ready varies different from God. 
We're saying, God, I have everything I need. I've done everything that I can. I have the strength. I have the wisdom. I have the leadership. I'm ready. And God's saying, no, you're ready just based off of what you see. But I want you to get ready for things that you have yet to see. I want to prepare you for, for the future one day. And so our preparation today, it helps protect us in the future. And how God prepared Jesus was by fasting. This is where fasting comes in. Fasting, what it does is it prepares us for, for, for the direction and the destination that God has for us by putting to death our flesh and our feelings. This is how God prepared Jesus. By putting to death his flesh and his feelings. So, so that's the principle. That's the principle of fasting. But here's the problem that, that many of us have faced as we've, as we've begun this awakening series, as we started to practically fast ourselves. That was the principle. Here's the problem. Again, Jesus, he, he, he fasts for 40 days. He prays for 40 days. He heads into the wilderness and, and he's immediately tempted by the devil. And how does Satan tempt him? This is the problem that we experience according to his flesh and his feelings. By the way, this is how Satan always tempts us. We talked about this uh, a few months ago in the beginning of this year. Satan always tempts from the very beginning in the garden but by leaning into our flesh and to our feelings. 1 John 2.16, it says this. It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride and possessions, this is not from God, but it's from the world. And even in the beginning in the garden, this perfect place where, where God created for Adam and Eve to walk with him, Satan comes and he tempts according to the flesh and feelings. He says, doesn't this look good? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it appealing to your eyes? And isn't it going to strengthen you? Isn't it going to be delicious? Don't you want this? And in fact, when you eat this, won't you become like God? This was the same temptation for Adam, for Jesus, and for us. But Adam failed in the perfect garden. And I don't know about you if you've opened your eyes. I love South Florida, but it is no perfect garden. Amen. There's traffic and weirdos and crazies. <laughs> and us. We're gonna mess up. We are imperfect. But Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't give in to his flesh or his feelings. Why? Because he put them to death through fasting. In fact, the next time we see Jesus in a garden, he is, he is undoing what Adam did in the first garden. He is restoring and reconciling our relationship with God, but he's wrestling in the garden. He says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, if I don't have to experience this pain and death, please let it pass from me. But yet, what does he say? He says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will. Can I tell you, you cannot pray, not my will be done, but your will in the garden if you have not been prepared in the wilderness. Interpretation, if you are not seeking to do God's will now, you're not gonna do it when you get there tomorrow. Fasting prepares us. Fasting is our preparation now and our protection for later. And fasting is how Jesus was prepared. It wasn't by a mentor. 
It wasn't by teaching. Those things are good. I want you to hear that. I read a lot of books to prepare myself. I have a coach that, that encourages me and oftentimes kicks my butt to do the right thing. Last week, you met my pastor. He speaks wisdom and, and, and imparts into me the, the, the grace of God so that I can be all that God's called me to be. Those things are good. We shouldn't disregard them. But what I am saying is that the primary way that God prepares us is not through people. It's in his presence. God can use all of those things but he wants to prepare us primarily in his presence. And so when we take the time to intentionally be in his presence and say, I will make room for you, I'm surrendering to you, releasing to you everything that I think is important, that I think I need, that I think that I've done, when I hand that off to you, we find the truth that everything we need is found in him, in his presence. So Jesus, he, he prays and fasts for 40 days as preparation for the purpose that God has on his life. And that's why when we fast together, we need to fast for a purpose. We don't just fast just because. We don't fast out of religious obligation. The pastor said to do it. The church is doing it. Therefore, I fast. We need to fast with a purpose. There needs to be a focus to our prayer when we fast. Otherwise, it's just dieting. Otherwise, it's just sacrificing for the sake of sacrificing. There needs to be a prayer focus. Some of you, what you're praying for during this fast is what you wrote down on that release card. You're saying, God, would you just bring reconciliation and restoration and revival to this situation? Some of you, you're praying and you're fasting on purpose so that someone that you love can be healed of what they're going through. A lot of us, I know we're praying and fasting that, that the people that we love will come to be set free by the grace of God through Jesus. You know, I'm praying and I'm fasting with focus and intention. Over these 21 days, my, my focus in this fast is so that I can be the best father to my three kids as possible. Because I've heard the stories. I've read the statistics about all these pastors that forsake their children for the church. And I don't want to get so caught up in what God is doing here that I miss what God wants to do in my life to my kids at home. And so I'm fasting with focus. I'm fasting with intention. And every time I feel hungry, I'm using that to intentionally pray for my children. And listen, I know that sounds really spiritual, like, oh man, that's so awesome. Like you're, you're fighting through your hunger to pray for your kids. Let me tell you, fasting isn't fun. Anyone want to admit that? Perfect place for imperfect people. Those of you who fasted the past few weeks, it's not fun. It was hard, okay? I, I was hungry, I wanted to quit every single hour. The thoughts went through my head. Well, well, the entire church is fasting now, and so I did my part. Maybe I'll just eat. Like, I, I, those thoughts really went through my head. I started daydreaming about the, the food that I was going to prepare and eat after the fast concluded. Like, oh my gosh, I, I just want, I want to make chicken right now and a filet of fish and a quarter pounder with cheese. Uh, I could put a McRib on top of that. Like, I, I don't like McDonald's, but, but I was craving fast food. Listen, I'm not making this up. 
I'm not proud of it either, but I'm not making that. The first, first Wednesday that I was fasting, um, uh, I sniffed a saltine. <laughs> I made Lunchables for my kids, homemade Lunchables, crackers and all that. And so I'm at home and, and preparing for the sermon and praying and fasting and I'm hungry and I see, I'm getting some water and I see the saltines on the countertop. I'm like, it's just a cracker. I mean, I could take communion right now, God. I got some juice in my fridge. Lord, it's spiritual. And I was like, no, no, I can't eat it. So I crushed it in my hand and I was like, oh, oh it smells so, it was a cracker because I was hungry. Fasting is not fun, but, but there's a focus to why we do it. And every time I felt that hunger, I prayed. And every time I prayed, I knew who I was praying to. I wasn't screaming out to the universe, hoping someone would hear. I was praying to the God of all creation who's, who's opened up a door for me to be in relationship with him. And every time I prayed for my children, I prayed the impossible over their life. And as I began to do that, when I got hungry, I had an awakening. I was hungry a lot, and so I prayed a lot that day, and God opened up my eyes to see my children the way that he does. And I realized the potential that they have to serve the Lord. And I realized that everything I do today is preparation for who they will become in the future. And so God has called me to speak life and to encourage them so that they could be protected because they have the wisdom of God and relationship with God. And I just began to, to see them the way God saw them and it awakened my eyes. And I used that hunger to cry out for my children. And I'm telling you, when they got home from school, I wasn't hangry around them. I was present. Our prayer, our fasting during this season has to be focused. And I know it's not easy. And I know it's not fun. And I wanted to give up. And I know some of you, maybe you've given up. Maybe you plan on fasting 24 hours and after breakfast, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. I said my Our Father and I'm going to eat lunch right now. Maybe you said, I don't want to do it anymore. I did it once. It's not for me. Listen, I want to give you hope to hold on. Listen to what it says here in Matthew 4, 2. It says, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was what? You think? 24 hours, I'm like, give me all the food. 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And so he's hungry, and the Bible says that the enemy comes and begins to tempt him, tempt Jesus with the desire of his flesh. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You got some rocks, make it into sourdough. You got some anointing oil, you know, get some salt from the Dead Sea. And, and now you got bread and olive oil and salt. That's a good meal, y'all. That's so delicious. Some of you are like, no, it's not. Okay, turn it into some cocoa bread. Turn it into an empanada. Did you see what he's doing? He's leaning into his flesh. He's leaning into his feelings. Satan used Jesus' hunger because he knew his identity. He said, if you are who you say you are, meaning you possess the power to do the impossible, and so why don't you mismanage and misuse the power that your heavenly Father has given you to feed yourself, not to feed the multitudes? Why don't you 
satisfy your longings right now instead of depending on your father to meet all of your needs. He leaned into his flesh. He leaned into his feelings. You deserve it. You've been so good. Prove to yourself that you can do it. Matthew 4, 4, but Jesus answered. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the governing authority that I will base my decisions on is not my flesh and is not my feelings. The governing authority that I will base my decision on is God's instruction. He's saying, I am hungry, but it is written. God's word, God's direction, God's instruction takes precedence over my, over my feeling. I'm going to lean into my faith in what God has said. And what Satan would, was doing with, with Jesus is the same thing that Satan did with, with Adam in the garden. He leaned into his, his flesh. He leaned into his feelings. Because he knew who Adam was. He knew that Adam was the first child of God. He knew Adam's identity. And he knew Jesus' identity. But he also knew his identity. Satan knew that he could not destroy Jesus. Satan knew that he had no power over Jesus. If he could destroy him, he would have destroyed him, but he didn't because he can't. And here's the point I want us to get. I want you to write this down. I want you to hear this. As a child of God, listen, Satan cannot destroy or derail you. Do you know that? He cannot destroy or derail you. You have been bought at a price it's the blood of Jesus and nothing on heaven or in earth or beneath the earth can ever separate us from the love of God. He has a purpose for your life. He has called you on purpose, for purpose. Satan cannot derail that destiny. But listen to this. But he can distract and deceive you into making the decision yourself. Say distract. You know, Two Tuesdays ago, the day before we started our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I got together with our leadership team and I said, don't be surprised over the next 21 days if Satan distracts you. If you get in stupid arguments about nothing with your significant others, if you have all this busyness in your life, don't be surprised if he attacks to distract you. Can I tell you, child of God, that, that a believer who does nothing is not a threat? If all you do is sit in church and say yes, but you never actually do something with what God is teaching you, Satan's not going to attack you. But, but to those who say, I surrender all, whatever you want, God, I will follow, that scares Satan. I said, over these next 21 days, he does not want you to be dependent on the Spirit of God. So don't be surprised if you are distracted with dumb things. 
And so that next day, I started my 24-hour fast of all food. It was hard. I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about because I saw you Sunday, mo- uh, Wednesday morning. How you doing? Oh, I'm hungry, Pastor. Listen, let me just side note. Don't let, don't let the blessing of your fasting be taken away because you're letting the world know you're miserable, okay? Just push through it. And so a lot of you are like, oh, I'm so hungry. I was hungry too, but I pushed through it and I prayed for my children and I experienced breakthrough and my eyes were awakened to what I could do to to love and bless my kids and what God wants to do here in this place. And so the next day, I'm excited. I'm fired up. I'm full of faith. I'm going from one meeting to another, encouraging people. And so my next meeting in the afternoon was to go to the Davie Police Department because I'm a chaplain there and I had to get some training. And I'm just like, what, what a great Thursday this is. And then it starts to rain. And my car hydroplanes and spins around twice and I get in an accident. Now listen, I'm not one to blame everything on the devil, okay? Because too often Christians like to blame all their problems on the devil when really it's your dumb decisions so often. The devil made me do it. No, no, he didn't. You did that because you were unprepared. It's the devil's fault. No, no, you did not keep your word and do what you said you would. It's your fault. I'm not trying to blame everything on the devil, but I'm like, I wasn't speeding. I wasn't driving recklessly. I wasn't turning aggressively. And I have an app to prove it. My insurance tracks all of my moves when I'm driving the car. I looked at my self-driver app. I was like, Look, I didn't do anything. I was driving the speed limit. There was no acceleration. Wasn't on my phone. Wasn't distracted. And then it occurred to me, could this have been the enemy? Now, he, he, he can't take my life. But he can certainly distract me. And let me tell you what a distraction that was. For my 14th anniversary weekend, I had to drive all across the Tri-County area to negotiate with different auto repair shops. I had to call my insurance for hours going back and forth of that's not enough to pay for this accident. The next six to eight weeks, we're gonna have to manage one car together and I'm gonna have to talk to, to the representative on the phone over and over. It's a distraction. And we have a choice when we're distracted. We can quit and say, well, you know what? I, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm, I'm not gonna fast anymore. With all the stress that I experience, I deserve to make myself happy. I'm just so stressed out right now. I'm just gonna eat all the things that I want to because I deserve it. I can give up and, and stop or I can realize that it's a distraction for the preparation God wants to do. And so I'm just going to praise my way through this. Satan cannot destroy you or derail you, but he can distract you. He can deceive you. He couldn't kick Adam and Eve out the garden. He knew their identity. He knew his identity. And so what did he do? He tempted them to make the decision themselves. Don't be surprised over the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter when when this place is going to be packed with people far from God and the Spirit of God is going to rescue their souls and set them free for all eternity that Satan will distract you, couples. You're going to fight over dumb things. Your kid's going to get mad at you. You're going to get mad at your parents. Your neighbor's going to annoy you. You're going to get some weird tax bill and IRS. How much do I? Don't be surprised, but he cannot destroy you. 
He cannot derail you, but don't be deceived into making the decision yourself. Keep pressing on. Keep moving forwards. What did Jesus say to overcome? He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Satan will tempt your flesh. He will tempt your feelings, but he cannot destroy you. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. And he overcame. What I don't want you to miss is that Jesus didn't deny his hunger. He just hungered more for the purpose of God. See, we have hungers in this life. To hunger is to be human. We have physical hungers. We have relational hungers. We we have all these hungers in life, these desires in life, and we can't pray them away. To hunger is to be human. So what do we do with that? We have to have the same desires. We have to have the same appetite for the things of God that Jesus did. He was hungry for food, but but he was far more hungry for the direction and the directives of God. Jesus was saying, I'm willing to live without this thing that my flesh is longing for because what I love more is the purpose that God has called me to. And I realize that these things in life will never truly satisfy. So I'm willing to live without them if need be because what truly satisfies me is the presence of God and his purposes for my life and what he's preparing me for rather than what Satan is attempting to tempt and distract me with. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Our preparation now is for our protection later so we can live out the purposes of God and be ready for where we're at. Romans 8.18, it's not up on the screens, but it says this. It says, for I believe that the sufferings of today are not worthy to be compared for the glory that God will reveal through us. Some of us, this is a difficult situation, aside from the fasting and, and the suffering that it feels like forsaking food. Some of us, the, the world around us, it, it's, it's, it's overpowering. It's not easy to be a Christian in 2022. Culture doesn't believe in Jesus. Culture doesn't believe in the values of God's word. And so it's challenging sometimes. It's challenging to stand up and say, well, well I, I love Jesus and I love you no matter what you think about me. But he promises us that the sufferings that we experience, they're not worthy to be compared for the glory that God shall reveal in us. And if that's just an eternity, listen, that's awesome. That's forever. But I believe God wants to bring awakening in our lives here. This is why we have to learn to surrender. This is why we have to learn to be dependent on him so we can be part of his plan. When we release all of who we are and all that we think we bring to the table, when we release what we think we need for survival through fasting, we are aware and reawakened to the experiential truth that who he is, his presence, is everything we will ever need in this life to do the will of God's. And so for us to experience this awakening, we need to adjust our appetite. 
Again, we can't pray away hunger. Hunger is human. And for us to manage our actions with our hunger the way Jesus did, we can't do right now. A lot of us say, what would Jesus do? It's a great question to to, to ask, a great wristband to have, but the reality is a lot of us don't do what Jesus would have done. We, We like to think we would, and we like to ask that question, but the reason we don't do it is because we're more in tune with our flesh and our feelings, and we haven't put them to death. We need an appetite adjustment. We need to desire and have an appetite for the same things that Jesus did so that we can manage our actions the same way. Yeah, but, but he's, he's the son of God. He can do anything. Yes, but Jesus overcame all those temptations in his humanity, not his divinity. He's the only one who's 100% God and 100% man. And in that moment, Jesus did that as an example for us, of what a spirit-surrendered life looks like, of, of what we could accomplish when we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And so the challenge is that I don't think we'll be able to manage our activity day-to-day, manage our, our actions and responses when we're faced with hunger the way Jesus did until we adjust our appetite to have the desires that he had. Until we're at a place where we honestly say, Lord, not my will, but your be, yours be done. I want you more than anything. And if we're honest, we're not there most of the time, Right? If we were, if we really desired the the songs that we sing, the things that we pray, if we were really in that place, then prayer would not be a problem for us. Coming 7 a.m. on Wednesday to pray would be something so easy and convenient and desirable if we were in that place, Lord, not my will, but, but yours be done. Reading God's word would be easy, would be consistent in our lives. Serving other people who don't like us, would be our our constant activity. But if we're honest, most of us want to just sit and watch television because we've had a hard day. I just want to sleep in an extra 15 minutes because, man, last night was rough. Uh, I want to read the Bible. I'll read the newspaper. I'll read the comics. I mean, I like Calvin and Hobbes and... Most of us, we'd, we want to talk to somebody else. This is where fasting comes in. Fasting is an intentional space that we create, that we make room to be in the presence of God so he can adjust our appetite. Don't think it's the other way around. It's not once I've adjusted my appetite and I know my calorie intake and all that stuff and and I'm good with not eating for this amount of time, then I will fast. No, don't don't get it flipped around. Fasting is an intentional space where we are in the presence of God and we are forsaking what we think is most important to realize that he is everything we need, that he is enough, that he will satisfy. The hunger will still be there. 
but the desire for his purposes and his plans grow in this place of fasting. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.